When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Pot it down a little bit. Pot it down a little bit. Keep keep it going though. Thank you very much. Can you just loop this all hour? We could loop this right through <laughs> Mackie Judd with Rami for all I can. I love this song. Oh, keep it yeah, keep it's it going. So good. This is so. Danny went through his list of things that he misses most from his childhood when it comes to uh, football, pro football, and also college. Manny Hill did the same with his seven, correct? Mm-hmm. And uh, I've got a list of ten. And at 10, I put this. Not just this song, though. Well, this but song should be one. Profe- <laughs> I mean, NFL, if I'm, I'm going to be critical, this should be the top. NFL, but I wanted to start with this. NFL fight songs. Mm. Where'd it go? No, yeah. yeah. That's the end of it. I right, played again. One minute and a half. I'll, I'll gladly play it again. Yeah, just keep it going. Thank you. <laughs> Let's keep it going. <laughs> it starts so good. It's so good. Fight songs. Yes. What happened? What happened? This yeah. now this this Charger song is just a glorious piece of the 70s. Mm-hmm. Like if you weren't aware of Studio 54 and all that, this is all you got to hear. I don't think there's ever been a better like fight song ever. NFL, college, whatever. This is the top of the list. This song is the pinnacle of all fight songs. Bell bottoms, right? Bell bottoms. Long hair. White bell bottoms. White bell oh, bottoms. Oh, white bell bottoms. Absolutely. Sure. They are white. There's no question about that. What type that. of shoes? Platforms. Those platform shoes? White yeah. ones. White, white, white oh, platforms. Everything's yep. white. Let's just accept that. Long coat of some hair. sort. Blonde hair. Blonde hair. Um, um, sunglasses. Big Southern dark California, sun. man. Yes. And, it was the, and, and you always think of the powder blue Chargers oh, jerseys, love, which, too. Which... Which they're bringing back now full time, correct? Yeah, yep. But those are before my time. But I've always said that I believe those are the greatest uniforms look in sports ever. Mm-hmm. The powder blues. Yes. I've always asked this question though: What happened in the studio? Like, how do you even start this one? Substance. Oh, I know. But how much <laughs> substance? Oh, how many substance. substances? <laughs> and like, at what point in time are you like, I got it, I got it, and then you're like. If you ever go back and watch watch reruns of the old show Chips, this mm-hmm. does sound like a chase scene in Chips where they're where uh, Ponch and John are riding their <laughs> motorcycles down the 405 chasing a suspect, yeah, and yeah. you've got this in the background. But anyway, that's number ten on my list. Fight songs. All right, Jonathan, give me a little bit of uh, the Oilers song too, because there's a story behind this one that I love. Now I know this isn't as good. Nothing's as good. Here we come. Houston Oilers, number 
get we're to the, in the air, main we're part. on the ground, always in control. And when you say the Oilers, you're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the Houston Oilers. Houston Oilers, Houston Oilers number one. Yes, we're the This was Houston the song Oilers. that they were playing in the Astrodome. Constantly, the night that Earl Campbell, I believe it was a Monday night game in 78, ran all over the Dolphins. Okay. But what makes this even better is this song was a template provided, if I'm not mistaken, to all American Football League teams and also used with, obviously, their own team name by the Miami Dolphins, the Oilers, and I think there was a third team as well that used this exact same tune. No kidding. And substituted, basically... This showed up as a record or something at your doorstep if you were these teams, and they said, yeah, just insert your own team. Wow. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Fight songs. Whatever happened to fight? Name me the... I might just be spacing on this. Name me the last good football fight song. Good one like, or just one in general? Well, just one in... Because I think Washington might be... Maybe Baltimore has one. That is even recent? I think Baltimore had a band at some point. Like a marching Washington band. did for sure, but yeah. that's on that's old school again. That, that's Washington, like school. The, the that's like the Redskins. That's school yeah. Vikings. Yeah, the Bears. The Bears have a fairly prominent one too. Yeah, I think I forget the. I mean, Rami might know what but, the what the but who's lyrics are? Who's actually written a song, a fight song? Like, do the Jacksonville Jaguars? Did they write one? So the Prince Ra- wrote one. What's that? Prince wrote one, but yeah. we don't want to acknowledge. No, that we anymore. don't. No, no. God bless them. We don't want to acknowledge. Them. The Baltimore Ravens have a marching band. Okay. Baltimore's marching Ravens. I don't know if they have a fight and song. And the Vikings have a band as well now that they per put se, together. But I mean, this band was founded in the late '40s for the Baltimore Colts, and okay, they yes, and that's a famous continuously band. played. They're one of only. I mean, but I'm saying there like, are two official marching bands. But I, I'm talking about a song like the one, like the ones we're playing. When's the last time an NFL team? So Baltimore does does have a fight song. Okay. I don't know how it sounds, but the lyrics are on Wikipedia if you want to check them out. Jonathan, if you want to find the Baltimore Ravens fight song, I assume it exists somewhere. And that it's clean. <laughs> the <laughs> lyrics are clean. On, on Wikipedia, the lyrics are clean. <laughs> Not full. Oh, All right, that's number 10 for me, though. Fight songs. Okay? I'm surprised you only had 10. That I, I just came up with 10? That or, or that I put that at 10? 10. Oh, I could have kept going here. That's why I'm But for the sake of the show, I figured I'd cap it at 10. (laughs) Number nine. Go back and watch clips of games at uh, Three River Stadium played by the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I swear to God, you will see cars in the 70s parked on the sidelines. Now, I don't know if they were going to give them away. I don't know what the significance is, but on the, the old school AstroTurf, which, as you said, Danny is much like driving on concrete cement. cement. It's like green cement. You can see cars on the sidelines, like way off because it was huge. The stadium, the bowl itself was huge, but there are cars. Cookie cutter stadium. Yes. So that's nine. I miss cars. I miss looking at guys returning, you know, interceptions or punts or kicks. So this was catching a a pass. So this was the seventies during the steel curtain era. Yes. There's a Joe Green and there's these big big nineteen seventies cars on the sidelines. And I'm sure they're new and they were probably given away or something. Yeah. But nonetheless, I miss them not bringing in cars and just parking them randomly on the sidelines. Wow. Number eight, something near and dear to Don't look at me like that, Jonathan. No, he texted me something I can't say on air about the Ravens song. Oh, okay. I thought he was sick. It's bad. I mean, I'm sure it's not good, but well, can, can we hear it? Can we listen to it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's sample it. It's fine so far. I like it. Oh, they can spell. V, where the V? E, where the E? Oh. It's not a song. Starts off like Hail Redskins. Yeah, I thought it was either Hail Redskins or Fly Eagles Fly. Which Fly Eagles Fly? Oh, yeah, we got to listen to Fly oh, Eagles Fly. Eagles fly. Yeah. I forgot about that. Oh, fly Eagles Fly. That's is one amazing. of my favorite. Detroit has one too that they play. The Lions have a really bad one. <laughs> it's terrible. Oh, I, no, we, I love Detroit. No, I'm with Manny. It's awful. Really? I, I covered the a Packers Lions game. Move. 
move. I, I, think, I, I yeah, covered yeah, a Packers yeah. Lions game at Ford Field. We I think we've had this conversation before. I covered a Packers Lions game at Ford Field during the 2017 season. Awful. This is perfect. The only problem with this song is like if you're the Vikings and you're getting your butt handed to you in the NFC Championship game. Do Vikings fans want to hear this song right now? Same with the Detroit song. They play it after every time the the Lions score. I I realize the Lions don't. And the guy sings it. Yes, on the sideline, the big guy sings. Yes, it. no, not even on the sideline, like in the stands. Oh, he's in the stands. Now. When okay. when I was there, he would be like in the upper deck, surrounded by fans singing it, and it was horrific. The song that I probably from my childhood that I hated the most was Todd Rundgren's "Bang on the Drum All Day." Oh, because sure, because that was being a Vikings fan as a kid and watching Brett Favre throw a bunch of touchdown passes at Lambeau, and that was the song that the Packers to this day still play. That's their touchdown song, and. When I was a kid, God, I hated that song so much. <laughs> oh, it's the Lions. So bad. I love this. Do <laughs> not disparage this. You stand and cheer the brave. No wonder they haven't won didn't we look a up road the, playoff game in 60 years. Didn't we look up the date of that song? I believe it was written in like the 40s as well. The Lion song. It wouldn't doubt Oh, it me. goes back a ways, yeah. I think it's great. Now, I know... I know you guys are killjoys. I know this song is... I know, God, I'm with you. I think it's fantastic in just how bad it is. The Raven song is actually bad. Oh, yeah. The Raven song is terrible. So That's Judd, why I texted Danny what I texted him that we can't read on air. So, Judd, my question for you is this in regards to these fight songs and celebration songs. Mm-hmm. And I know that this song I'm about to bring up now is not a not a football song, but where does where would Brass Bonanza in your mind rank in all this? Because I know you you love Brass Bonanza. Oh, for the Hartford Whalers goals. Yeah. Um, where would that song rank amongst it, all these? Oh, it might be number one for sure. Top. That's three. your favorite, right? It's Brass it's Bonanza. Yes, Brass Bonanza oh, Brass is pretty Bonanza. awesome. Brass Bonanza, which I believe the story is that when Brian Burke became GM there, he pulled the plug on Brass Bonanza and no one ever forgave him. Jonathan can find that one. Yeah, that yes. we, we've had it a long time. This is a goal song, Danny. When Hartford would score a goal, they played this. It sounds so like great. you're it sounds like a 1970s song in a supermarket. Yes, it's so great. Love it. Like it feels like when my mom would push me around super value, you know, <laughs> in the 1970s and I'd be sitting in the cart, this is what would be playing. Oh. Uh, it's great. Didn't the Carolina didn't the Hurricanes they had like a throwback day where they, they had a couple games, yes. They, where they would play they that song played, as a goal song. And yet yeah, they actually did one home game that they did dressed up as the Whalers in the Whalers jerseys mm-hmm. and uniforms and they did it also in Boston. Since the Hartford Whalers were originally, I believe it was the New England Whalers. Okay. So they played them in Boston, did the exact same thing. But yes, they played, if I'm not mistaken, Brass Bananas. I do song. I do like a good goal song. I I love a good goal that song. That was a goal hockey. song, though. Can you believe it? Like, Chicago's is my favorite. Chicago's Chelsea goal. Dagger. Oh. Yeah. People here hate that. <laughs> you want Declan, Declan does not Declan, approve. Chelsea, Declan, Chelsea Dagger is great. The worst goal song in the league. And North Dakota. Oh, and North Dakota, of course you guys like Chelsea's Dagger. It's the worst song. It's played in hell on loop. I know it is. I've been through hell and back. I know that song is played in hell on loop. A thousand percent. No, you're wrong. With the I'm worst people. Off. Thank you. I'm turning you off. You know why? Because the Blackhawks do it perfect. Goal scored, and I'm not kidding. Horn. Yes. You yeah. need the, the yep. horn. Oh, the goal horn's sco- so good. Goal scored, beat. So just a beat of silence. No, horn, then this. Yeah, 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 yeah. If the Wild hired me tomorrow, I could have give them the best game night entertainment ideas ever. <laughs> <laughs> That. Oh, you people can see. It's that amazing. Poem. How it's, do you, Declan? It how is do you a not great like song. It? It's it's not. It, it just reminds me of the worst people. So Blackhawk fans and UND fans. So I I just automatically 
Can't stand it. When Doomnick gives up a softie to Kane, <laughs> and, then, and then you get that celebration. Uh, yes. There's that's nothing. Now we go. That's now we got Judd in the house. That, of course, that's that's a given. That's fine. <laughs> I I covered uh, game one of the playoffs between the Wild and Blackhawks. This is like five years, six years back when we thought that the Wild was going to be successful in the sta- <laughs> in in their arena, and it was great. And when they play that song. It's great. At the United Center? At United Center. That's sweet. It's fantastic. Oh, that's got to be such a cool atmosphere. All right. Back to my list. Number eight. <laughs> near and dear near and dear to Matthew Collar, who ordinarily hosts this show, his heart, the fullback being a position of consequence. Yeah. I miss fullbacks. Yeah, that's, uh, that's and I know definitely they got, not, not now. CJ Ham, you know. and but, but when we talk about fullbacks now, it's like, oh, my gosh, the fullback might do something. The fullback used to be a given. Mm-hmm. Big burly guy, Lorenzo Neal, oh. or even the big running back, like from my era, uh, Mike Allstott. Oh yeah, yeah. Who those was, guys don't exist anymore? Who was a Viking killer? Yeah, mm-hmm. that dude was unstoppable in Madden. You could not tackle Mike Allstott, <laughs> and it was. I love how with you guys, it all comes back to it. what they did in Madden. And I Judd. hated playing against the Buccaneers, and Mike Allstott just ran for yards and yards. Like I can't tackle him. Mike Allstott not only was a Viking killer, he was a gopher killer as well when mm-hmm. he was at Purdue in college, too. It was the same thing. He Did just he play ran. with Breeze? Or was I he before? he and Breeze maybe just missed each okay. other. Because Purdue used to come in the Metrodome, and, I, and it was probably Breeze's era, but I remember they, they'd play the gophers, and it would be 52-48. Yeah. They'd have these just shootouts. Yep. Number seven. Reckless quarterbacks throwing stupid passes. Yep. Yeah. And by that, I mean good quarterbacks who became... Favre might be the last one, but think about it. Now, now, the Jameis Winstons of the world just throw dumb passes, and they're not good. Yeah. But go back and look at Namath. Namath Bradshaw. threw more interceptions than touchdowns, and he's in the Hall of Fame. Yep. Bradshaw. Terry Bradshaw's rookie year... Now ruins you, mm-hmm. like you don't. You're, you're not going to play anymore. Yeah, go back and look at those. So good quarterbacks throwing reckless, stupid passes, and coming back the next week and being like, "Hey, I'm back." Elway, yeah, Elway was like that too. But now Elway was like that in Super Bowls. In you the think 80s. about Brady and Rodgers and these precision guys mm-hmm. and how many dumb passes they throw, and you could probably count them on one hand if you can count them. And yeah. in my era. Bradshaw was airing her out, and if it worked, Lynn Swan made a great catch, and if it didn't, it was picked off, and too bad. I want to say Joe Namath's career quarterback rating was like 67 or something like that. <laughs> Terry and Bradshaw, his rookie year. Terry Bradshaw had seven seasons that he threw 15 or more interceptions. Seven. Yes. His Hall rookie, of Fame quarterback. His rookie Danny season. Cunningham. So when Terry Bradshaw first broke into the league, he threw six touchdowns. This is He played in 13 games, eight starts, threw six touchdowns, 24 interceptions. He threw an interception on 11% of his passes. Yeah. 11% of his Hall of Fame quarterback. Hall of Fame Super Bowl winning quarterback. Unbelievable. For his career, 212 touchdowns, 210 picks. Yeah. Imagine that happening today. No. You don't last. No, you, you're done. Joe Namath. You don't get a chance. Joe Namath's career. Joe Namath threw 20-plus interceptions five times. Mm-hmm. Five times. Mm-hmm. And the... Uh, no, I'm reading that stat wrong. Um, his quarter, his career quarterback rating was 65.5. Joe Namath had 173 touchdowns and 220 interceptions in his career, and he's in the Hall of Fame. How is Joe Namath in the Hall of Fame? And he completed, he's got, he's got he completed a, 50% of his passes. Because he's Broadway Joe, Danny. He has Don't a, ask questions. He has a losing record. He was 62-63-4 in his career. So he has a losing record. He yep. lost more games than he, he won. He guaranteed victory in the Super Bowl against yep. the Colts, and he was Broadway Joe, he and threw, that's why. He yep. threw 47 more interceptions than touchdowns. 47. Is it really 47? Yeah. 173 okay. touchdowns, Back to 220 my point. picks. Supposedly good quarterbacks throwing stupid reckless passes was a thing. He threw 28 picks in a season twice. <laughs> and 27 in another. All right, number six on my list. And again, this is things that I miss from my childhood, but they're not necessarily, I'm not giving you things that were better than, I just miss them. Mm -hmm. Because number six is going to be right down that alley. 
And this is only true now in in Oakland. And, of course, uh, the Raiders are going to move to Vegas here after, I believe, this coming season. Multi-purpose stadiums where the NFL team spent the early portion of its season running through the infield. Yes! Yes! It happened all over the place. The Vikings at Metropolitan Stadium, when the Twins were playing until they were done, they couldn't sod it. So they would they would lower the mound, but everything would be dirt. I yeah. used to always wonder when I was a kid, particularly with Oakland, because they're still the prevalent one, what they would do with the pitcher's mound. Like, where did it go? I don't know. Well, the really old stadiums, I think they had to literally go out there, dig it up, even it out, and then put it and then put it back. Like, I don't think you. I don't think in the seventies there was any means of hydraulics, right? Right. I, Probably imagine not. Because I think the Metrodome, they could lower it then and put the side. Well, the Metrodome was on fake, it. too. Right, right. But I'm just, but I think at that point in time, there was no means. You you had to probably go out there with a shovel, level it, and rebuild it. Yeah. That's my guess. It'd be I, miserable. You know what? I'm with you on that, Judd. I loved it. I remember the ones that come to mind are the Dolphins playing at Pro Bowl Air Stadium. Yep. Because the Marlins were playing there, too. Absolutely. The 49ers playing at Candlestick. Yep. The the Raiders at Oakland. Chargers. The Chargers in San Diego. It was all the Padres. Place. Yeah. It was it was like five or six stadiums during that time. Early Cleveland part of the year. before the Browns came back. Yeah. The, the first iteration of the Browns and the Indians oh, played at Municipal Stadium the on the lake. By the lake. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I mean that's where First Energy Stadium is now. It's on the same site. Yep. Yep. Number five. Huge shoulder pads and the neck rolls. The neck yeah. roll, which was actually in uh, in probably in my teens, into my early twenties. But just the and and like the the linebackers who would have like the backboard deal. It looked like a backboard coming out of their oh, jersey yeah, yeah, to yeah. support their neck. And the shoulder pads and and the shoulder pads also and the tearaway jerseys. Oh, Do you guys remember those? <laughs> yeah. Where a poor defender would latch onto a running back's jersey to try and tackle him, and he would just end up with jersey. He'd fall <laughs> to the ground, and the guy would be gone, and his shoulder pads would be you know sailing in the wind as the guy ran for a touchdown. I miss those. I I don't miss the big shoulder pads. Like when I played, oh, they were the, fun. the shoulder pads I wore in college were so small you wouldn't believe it. Like they did not cover my full pectoral muscles. Like they didn't go Isn't that all dangerous? the way down to my chest. Like Isn't they, that a bad idea? I mean it, you want to be lightweight and you want to have all all the mobility you can possibly have. Not in the eighties you didn't. They uh, they did not cover much. In college too, they had the huge ones in college. Oh yeah. It's it's amazing how we think about that era with the huge shoulder pads, and then you fast forward to now, and it's like you get guys like Michael Bennett who basically don't wear shoulder pads at all, or even, <laughs> or even, yeah. you're right, or thigh pads and knee pads. Yeah, like yeah. they wore them the back ones, then. Yeah, yep. When I was in college, I tried to find the smallest leg pads possible. I, if I could get away without wearing hip pads and a tailbone pad, I would. Like I would just not wear pads. I would try and wear as little padding as possible because you wanted to be, you wanted to feel as mobile as you could. Number four on my list, Pat the Patriot. Ah. Do you guys remember that? Mm-hmm. Pat the Patriot, which yeah. which the New England Patriots still sometimes, I believe, don that helmet no. once in a while. And, or and this did. is something that I thought they of did, after right? I already gave up my list. Yep, It's another thing I miss about my childhood that I wanted to try and get back to when you were done. But being able to use more than one helmet. Throughout the year, oh, you can now, now. You can't change the color of your helmet. You can right. change your face mask, but like some of the teams that if you oh, see no. throwback uniforms, yeah. like the Patriots can't wear those white helmets. They have to wear silver helmets every single game. Why don't the, they go back to Pat the Patriot then? That's a great question yeah. uh, because their then, logo now is terrible. It's awful. It, it's horrendous. But like when the Chicago Bears go to a throwback helmet because their their helmets always been the same color of blue, yes. they can change out the decal. It's no problem. Sure. But like the Packers can't wear whatever helmet they used to wear back in the day. Really? Yeah. You can't change the so color they can't, of your helmet. Because in, in 2010, the, the game that the Vikings played against the Patriots in New England, yeah, they, they wore the they Pat the Patriots, the Pat the the Patriots with, the the red, with the red jerseys. So now yeah. they've outlawed that. Huh? I they, did not they realize cannot, that. They cannot change their helmets. There is a one-shell rule. There is no team, in my opinion, in the National Football League that from my childhood has improved its jersey. Tampa Bay, I thought, did, but now I'm like, I like the old creamsicles. Yeah, well, Tampa I Bay's uniforms too. now are the worst in the NFL, if you ask me. Yeah, and the old, they're pretty bad. The old ones were ugly, but now I'm like, that's sort of nostalgic. Yeah. 
And now the only team that I would argue maybe was the Bengals because they tried to rip off the Browns nondescript look for a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and they've had the Tiger Stripe since, what, 89? It's been a long, long time. Yeah. Even before that, maybe like late 70s but or nobody, 80s. But nobody else improved. Yeah. And Pat the Patriot was one of the greatest. Yeah. Absolute BS. Number three, this is not a this is not condoning concussions, but linebackers being feared. Mike Singletary. Mm-hmm. How many times did we watch a game on CBS and see a shot of his eyes completely yeah. just going to destroy you? LT. LT, yeah. yeah. L- linebackers carried a cachet of, oh my gosh, he's going to do some damage. Even in my era, Ray Lewis, Brian Erlocker mm-hmm. to an extent. Absolutely. Those guys were feared. Sean Merriman. Yeah. They don't exist anymore. No one's no one's terrified of Anthony Barr who for the, as good exactly. as he is. Who who on the who on the Vikings linebacker wise is feared? No one. I mean Anthony Barr is a really good player, but no one's sure. terrified of him. Right. You can't I don't think you can name me a, a defender or a linebacker in the NFL that's like people are scared of. Yep. I think of like Kevin Green, you know, from like the nineties, yeah. Kevin Green, Levon Kirkland. Um I'm just trying to think of a few more like off the top of my head, I can't think of any, but there were a lot of guys like Sam Mills, even like with the Saints back in the back in the nineties was was a big, big deal. But we used to see those guys and be like, that guy's gonna do some damage. And mm-hmm. now it's like, yeah, oh, he might tackle a guy. Yep. Number two on my list, the size of the rule book and how small it used to be. <laughs> it's become like that entirely, you could fit it in your pocket. It's entire the fact that now you just absolutely paralyze officials with all of this nonsense of what's a catch. Go back and watch what used to be called a catch, and it was very, very simple. You controlled the ball, it was a catch. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, well, if the ball rolls a little bit in this in, in situation A, then in situation B, the ball has to do this. And you think about all of these rules. And this is not saying that that replay is a bad thing because it probably helps to get things right. But just as far as what we ask officials, mm-hmm. you know, if you land on a quarterback and 87% of your weight is on that quarterback, that's a flag. But if it's 84%, you're okay. Like, yeah. What the hell is that? Size of the rule book is ridiculous. And the last thing. Uh, Jonathan Harrison, if you have this to play, the last thing is the NFL television, Monday Night Football, and also CBS's pregame show. Is it firing? There it is. Monday Night Football used to be one of the great events. Everyone who was a sports fan looked forward to this game. It was always a big game. When, Cos- when it was Dandy Don, Cosell, and Gifford, it had this in- massive cachet to it. If Monday Night Football was in your town, you were so excited. Everything about this thing was great. And and it, in my childhood, pre-cable, Howard Cosell, halftime highlights, <laughs> that was the first time that you would see a, a compilation of the Sunday highlight package. Like you'd get some here and there, but when Cosell would do the whole thing and, oh, you know, they'd highlight a game and Francis, it was always Francis Tarkington. Francis Tarkington. Oh, I can't tell you, Danny Cunningham, because it probably makes no sense to you what a big deal this was. And yes, it was more than 24 hours after the fact, but we absolutely loved it. Monday Night Football used to be, you. it was must-watch. You couldn't miss it. Mm-hmm. it, it you were... You had to make sure that... And what time did it start back then? 8 o'clock Central? 8 8 8 o'clock. The game started later then than it does now because even when I was a kid, I remember... It was a nine o'clock start, and like I couldn't stay up and watch the whole game when I was. In I got to half. I got was... to halftime highlights, and then I got, and then I had to go to bed. Yep, exactly. Yep. But that was the that was the thing about it. There was nothing more um, depressing as a kid than on Sundays when they would tease toward sixty minutes comes up next because that meant that your weekend was done mm-hmm. over, and there was nothing more inspiring on Monday than that sound. Yeah, it was. It was the music of that whole thing was just outstanding. And now, unfortunately, it's often a drab game, and I don't care, and I don't care who the announcers are. And I watch it, but it's not nearly as much fun. For me in the 90s, it was Al Michaels, Frank Gifford, yep. Dan Deardorff in the yep. 90s. Yep. Exactly. Loved it. All right, so th- those are our lists for uh, for Judd, Danny, and Manny, the things that we miss from the National Football League and also college football from our childhood. We have not forgotten Jonathan Harrison. When we comes uh, when we come back, will lead us through hot routes. That's next on the All New Score North. Join 
me, Callum Williams, and Jamie Watson this Saturday afternoon for coverage of Minnesota United and FC Cincinnati from Allianz Field. Pre-game at 2.30 p.m. right here on Score North on AM 1500, scorenorth.com, and the Score North mobile app. Caller has questions. Blue 58! Blue 58! Go! And he wants your answers. Three! Red, red, red! Red Polly! Blue Poncho! In rapid fire fashion. Gun flex right stack. 394 Dragon Smoke. It's Hot Routes on Purple Daily. 580! 397! TCL Broadcast Studio, Zolgad, Cunningham, and Manny Hill. It is time for Hot Routes, and Jonathan Harrison with Matthew Collar out is the man to guide us through those hot routes. So, Jonathan, fire away when you're ready, and we will do our best to answer your questions. Balls! 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 Green 18! Of course. Green 18! No, it's a Brett callers out, and no one's calling the audibles. I've got, or the hot routes, then I've got to have Brett Favre call balls, balls, balls. It's a Brett Favre call, man. I got no problem. Yesterday, the Bengals announced Jonah Williams, their first-round draft pick was announced to have undergone shoulder surgery that will likely sideline him for the season. Seeing as the Vikings were linked with Jonah Williams in the draft, how much panic would have set in within the fan base had the Vikings landed Williams and this had happened? Danny Cunningham, you want to start us off with this one? That would be worst-case scenario for the Vikings, I think, where you draft an offensive lineman because uh, you need help there, and then said offensive lineman goes, yeah, my shoulder needs a lot of work. We're done for the year here. I don't think it could get any worse than that if you're the Vikings, right? I think we would see a lot of this phrase on Twitter from Vikings fans. Quote, why can't we have nice things? I think... Almost every Vikings fan on Twitter would be saying, would be tweeting out some sort of variation of why can't we have nice things? I will, I will take your panic among the fan base if this had been the case and raise you what would go on in the TCO Performance Center in Egan and tell you that the out and out panic of the fan base probably couldn't match that in Egan. Because if they did this, Williams would have been their left tackle proposed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They would have told Riley Reef, hey, dude, you're moving to left guard. And now you undo that? And Reef, who probably wouldn't be a happy camper, now is told now you're going back to left tackle. And by the way, if that's the case and Reef moves back to left tackle. Who's your left guard? Who's your left guard? Because Elfline is still your center. Bleep your panic of the fan base. The <laughs> and actual... you've only got $4 million in cap space to use. And you got Kirk Cousins then maybe running for his life? That would have caused panic among Spielman, Zimmer, the Wilfs, and everybody else who works over there. NFL.com ranked the 25 best plays of Michael Vick's career, and no surprise, the play you guys mentioned earlier, his 46-yard overtime touchdown run against the Vikings, <laughs> was number one. Embarrassing, I think, yeah. is the word you're yeah. looking Poor for. Poor Craig Beekert and Brian Williams, man. <laughs> so, boys. The play was amazing. What <laughs> is the biggest play that happened against your team that still hurts you to this day? So... <laughs> Okay, the show's going to end now with the answer to this question. We'll be twenty. We'll be going for uh, the thirty plus on Danny Cunningham. I was going to say, question. I think Danny has the hardest task because he has to pick just one. I know, I know. You might <laughs> well, go for... also, but it doesn't become that hard because there have been so many bad Browns teams where it's just kind of like it doesn't hurt that bad. They suck anyways. <laughs> <laughs> but the one that I remember is from a couple of years ago, 2015. They were playing the Ravens on Monday Night Football. This was oh, the year they went 3-13. and 13. I know what this one is. They had an opportunity to win the game as regulation expired with like a 43-yard <laughs> yep. field goal or something of the matter. It's a tie game. They can win. They miss. They go to overtime. Ravens block the kick, return it for a touchdown as time expires, yeah. and the Browns lose. I was wondering. That one hurts. I was wondering if that was what you were going to oh go with. Goodness. That one hurts. What does your dad say about the drive? <laughs> my dad was there. Okay, no. but he was at Cleveland Browns. But your and, and your dad stadium. and your dad comes from a vintage of Browns fan that mm-hmm. really did have heart ache. Yeah, my dad was in wow. his in his twenties then, because that was what eighty six, right? Yeah. Yes, my dad was born in sixty four, so my dad was. 24 years old. He, wow. He had, he had tickets. He was at the game and like he was with one of his best friends who's no longer with us, but was at the game and they're like, we're going to the Super Bowl. Like, we are going <laughs> to the Super Bowl. Oh, I can yeah, tell you that. We know that feeling. 
We know that Chip, feeling here. Just ask Scoggins, comma, Chip about that comment. <laughs> like my, my dad and one of his best friends, and I've heard this story from them, of course, yeah. that they were planning on... All right, how are we going to get Super Bowl tickets? Like, and I don't remember where the Super Bowl was in '86, Manny. I'm sure you know. How are we going to get uh, there? Rose Bowl. Like, we're going to the Super Bowl. Like, they're going crazy that oh, they're no. going to the Super Bowl, and <laughs> like, the Browns are going to win the Super Bowl, and it is uncharted territory. That was uh, and then Elway, and then Elway goes 98 yards. That was Broncos Giants Super Bowl at the uh, Rose Bowl, and the Giants won 39 to 20. That uh, that day, I think, really darkened my dad's life. Like, oh, in, I'm sure in yeah. terms of. How he thinks about just like what's going to happen Cleveland sports wise. Like it is always a expect the worst and that is that is the moment it was born. But uh, which which one which game would you say hurt him more? Was it that one or like the next year when Biner had the fumble? I would say that one because he was there. The fumble happened in Denver. They were right. on the road for that game in eighty sure. seven. So I would say like you know the and the Browns didn't it's not like they had a bad defense either. Like right. they, they were a, a solid Those are some great Great Browns teams. Man. Yeah, it, it was they. They the Super Bowl was right there. Like Elway was on the two yard line and had to go ninety eight yards. And they're thinking, "There's no way this happens. We're going to the freaking Super Bowl." And wow, I wow. mean, the rest is history, obviously. But it was a he. He was in the stadium at the game, planning on how to get to California to go to the Super Bowl, and it turns out that John Elway was going instead. Uh, mine Never is I. <laughs> Just never plan ahead, man. Yeah. Especially in sports. Well, just don't do it. No, just in life in general. Yeah, that would have been too. my answer yeah. had I been alive. That would have been my answer oh, had sure. I been yeah, alive. No. But I'm I was born in I was born in ninety three, but yeah, my dad yeah. was at the game. Uh well I'll I'll take it even a step further with mine because it involves an NFC championship game, a conference championship game. Um but not the one that we think in oh nine in New Orleans with Favre throws the interception. No, mine goes back to just before halftime of the 98 NFC Championship game, the Vikings are up 20-7 to on the Atlanta Falcons, and they're deep in their own territory, like at their own 20-yard line or something like that. Yep. And uh, Brian Billick and Denny Green, they, they get a little greedy. They want a little bit. They want some more points before halftime to really just step on the throat the of the Atlanta taking Falcons. The, taking the knee. And, uh, That's right. Chuck Smith, a yep. uh, pretty good defensive end for the Atlanta Falcons, goes right around Todd Stucey, hits Randall Cunningham in the arm as he's getting ready to throw. The ball's fumbled, and uh, the Falcons recover and score a touchdown to make it 20-14 to at the half. And that, when that happened, that changed the entire landscape of that game. The first half, because I, I was at the Dome that day, the first half, as a fan, the, mm-hmm. of that game, up until then was a celebration of we are going to, to yep. Miami. This is one of the greatest teams, not just Vikings teams of all time. It is a, a fait accompli. This team is going to be in the Super Bowl. We're going to Miami. And if I'm not mistaken, that was the first time Stussy got beat all year as mm-hmm. well. I don't think he had been beat for a sack all year long. And that took the that took the tenor of that building from this is unbelievable, it's gonna be great to Uh oh. What just happened? Yep. I'll go very simple. 2009 <laughs> NFC title game. Favre. I mean, all you got to do, I know you're hurt, but all you got to do is literally pitch your body forward. Yeah. And Longwell comes in, you kick a field goal. If And I think I think Ryan would have made the field goal. You leave with a huge victory. You are going again to Miami. How confident are you that Ryan was going to make that field goal? Oh, that was that pretty year, confident. That Ryan, was Ryan was really good. Ryan How confident really were you Gary Anderson was going to make his? Fair enough. You know what? The thing with Longwell, you had Favre. <laughs> Being amazing that year and like well, but uh, Gary Anderson hadn't missed. But okay, but Longwell in that case, if he misses, he misses. Brett forces a ball into the middle of the field. Yeah, with Barry and open on the sideline, wide open like ten yards down the field. But as people said, all Brett had to do literally was hobble. And keep in mind, he's not down until he's touched. Yeah, so it's not college. So if you fall down and hobble forward, you you're still going to get five, four or five yards. And to take that game from that to, <clears throat> I'll throw it in your ass. <laughs> what are you thinking? Jonathan? It wasn't. That was the problem. Gun flex right stack. 394 dragon smoke. ESPN ranked the 20 most bloated contracts in the NFL. No Vikings came up, surprisingly. Besides the obvious and Kirk Cousins, who has the most bloated contract on this team? Can I go first? Sure. Xavier Rhodes. That was going to be mine. Mm. Thirteen point three million dollar cap for 2019. 
Base salary of $10.4 million. And two years ago, guess what? I pay that. Hey, I'm thrilled to pay that. But last year, how many times can you limp off the field? Yeah. This year in minicamp, he limps off the field. Okay, at some point in time, you got to play. Like, if you can't play, that's fine. But then you can't be eating up $13-plus of cap room. Xavier Rhodes. I was going to go Xavier Rhodes as well. So yeah. I think it's fair. We're in, we was, are in agreement there. I was thinking Xavier Rhodes, but I guess maybe another candidate could be Riley Reef, maybe? Oh, yeah, that's a good one, too. You know? For but, what you for what he's done, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, he is... I, I don't think he's a bad player, but I don't think he's worth what they're paying him, and he right. certainly could not be considered anywhere close to an elite left tackle in this league. Yep. Okay, next one. Hey, Jack, New York Bulls! Or should we break and come back with the last two to get this last break in? We can do that. Because Let's if see. we don't, we're going to go way long. See, I'm looking out for you, Jonathan Harrison. I'm always go. looking out for you. Producing from the host. Yeah, I'm, trying. Meeting, that's I'm all. trying. I like it. All right. We will finish up uh, after this. It is Judd. It is Danny. It is Manny. We are in the TCL Broadcast Studios on the all-new Score North. Balls, 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 green 18, green 18, all right, we're attempting there, there we go, it was worth the wait, I don't care if there was dead air, it's always worth I don't care if there was dead air, I don't care how it it sounded, I don't care how it sounded, you can never beat the superchargers, (laughs) Eric Coriel. Dan Fouts, yeah. little Chuck Muncie for you, maybe. Kellen Winslow Sr. Yeah. yeah, you gotta you gotta make that distinction. <laughs> <laughs> Kellen Winslow Sr. was a great tight end. <laughs> Not a rapist. San Diego Chargers. Alright, it's the continuation of Hot Routes. Jonathan Harrison, I believe you have two questions left for yes. us to answer, and in the remaining time, with us sitting in the TCL Broadcast Studios, Judd, Manny, and Danny, we will do so. And we'll just loop San Diego Superchargers under the whole thing. I love that. Idea. Hell yeah. All right. 49ers kicker Robbie Gold is holding out and has put in a trade request because he wants to be back in Chicago where they desperately need a kicker who's not going to crack under the crazy antics of Matt Nagy. Yeah. It's where his family lives and calls home, so he wants to go back there. How much would you give up in a trade for a kicker? Uh, uh, honest answer, sixth round pick. I'd go conditional seventh. Yeah, not nothing <laughs> if more. If he is, uh, you get a seventh round pick if he connects on over eighty percent of his kicks. If he doesn't, you get nothing and like it. How about he just stays on the team too? But yeah, I'm not going anything more than a sixth or, Robbie, or a seventh round pick. You're a kicker. Robbie wants to be in Chicago too. You're a kicker. But his whole thing is, I it, you think he's Anthony Davis. I think the story on Robbie Gold is that he paid to go to the Eagles game when uh, when uh, yeah. Co- when Cody went uh, clank clank. Doink, doink, right? Yeah. He got blocked. I think so. <laughs> yeah, it did get blocked. Anyway, um, Manny, what would you give for a kicker um, in these un, parts, un, a first-rounder? Unless his name is Adam Matthew Vinatieri, nothing. Okay. Nothing for a kicker. I will find one off the street, and if he's bad, I'll cut him and go find somebody else. Thanks, I'm Mike not, Zimmer. I am, Thank not thanks, Mike Zimmer. I am not giving You're up. You're why a we draft had to hire pick. Nate Kading because <laughs> because you you have made all these kickers paranoid. Um, unless it's Adam Vinatieri, I am giving up absolutely nothing for a kicker. And he's how old now? 47? 46, 47 yeah, years exactly old and still right. kicking. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Dang. All right, so we won't give up much for a uh, kicker. Right. Okay, next one. Terrell Davis ranked Dalvin Cook as his top breakout running back candidate of this season because of the addition of Gary Kubiak to the coaching staff. And Terrell Davis would know what Gary Kubiak can do for an offense and a running back. So who on the team benefits most from Gary Kubiak's addition? Manny? Um, I think it's Kirk Cousins. Because I think we're going to see a system that is fit that fits Kirk Cousins better. I think we're going to see a lot more play action. I think the offensive line will probably have some improvements, provided that everybody feel stays like healthy. Feel like I'm in a nightclub. Feel like I'm in a disco. Who's got a disco ball? It's such a great song. Get a strobe light in here. Yeah, exactly. Who's got the disco ball? Uh, but yeah, I, I think the the where are the BG the player who's going to benefit ah! the most. Where are the BGs? Are where's where are the Gibb brothers? Well, actually, I think two of them are dead now, so that answers my question now. But hey, at the time they were alive and well, it's not my fault. I didn't do nothing wrong. So yeah, Kirk Cousins. Yeah, Kirk Cousins is a good one. All right, 
I'll go with Stefan Diggs because I think mm. that he found himself wide open a lot of times last year, and Kirk Cousins didn't get him the ball. I do think that Gary Kubiak will help Kirk Cousins, but in turn, I think Stefan Diggs is going to have a terrific year because Kirk Cousins is in a better place. I'm not going to give you one name, but I'm going to give you a position group that I think is going to benefit enormously. Now, now Cousins is the correct answer because if it's not, the Vikings are in a world of trouble. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> so Manny's right, but the position group I'm going to give you is tight end. Yeah. Because they don't, according to what College talked about, and he's right, Kubiak's offense likes to use two receivers. The third receiver is not that important, but guess who uh, substitute for that? The tight ends. So Irv Smith Jr., Rudolph, those guys should benefit enormously. So I'm going to say the tight end group is going to find themselves Really stacking <laughs> up, amazing. Really stacking up the statistics because of the presence of Gary Kubiak, the true head coach of the offense. I was going to say you guys missed the biggest person who's going to or going to benefit, benefit from Gary Kubiak. It's Mike Zimmer. He doesn't have to worry about the offense now with Nate Kading. He also doesn't have to worry about uh, kicking. He can focus solely on defense and not give a crap about the two parts of the game that he does not like. Can you guys imagine Zim coaching a team with this theme song? Oh, come on. <laughs> and they're like, Mike, Mike, what here's what we need you to do. Music? We need you to wear white bell bottoms. Yes. We need you to wear white shoes and like a long coat. It's just part of the <laughs> shtick, Mike. Do you think Zim, Mike, you got to do, do this for Does he have a cool hat? Do you think Zim, Big hair. Zim yes. owns any white clothing? I bet he does. I, just, I can't picture him wearing like white clothing. Now I can't. Probably Vikings em- emblemed white clothing, yeah. I bet if you could find pictures of Zim in the 70s, I guarantee you. Because he's, what, 62 now? 63? 62, I think, yeah. Okay, no question about it. Mike Zimmer's been to a discotheque and once had white clothes. Did he ever work for the Chargers? I don't think he did. He worked for the the Cowboys for quite a while. I looked that up. For the Bengals for a long time. No, I don't think so. But I would just, I'd love to go to Zim and say, Zim, part of the deal with you coaching the Chargers is this. We need you to be wearing the the white shoes and the bell bottoms. Yeah, men. I want to see this happen on the sideline, though. Oh no, that's not what I'm just saying. not just at practice or no, whatever no, no. we want. Oh it's, no, it wouldn't be a practice. It would be on the sidelines. Side yeah, it would be on the sideline. Danny, what do you think of that? Danny's you're dancing just, too much. He's just dancing. <laughs> Sign me up. They should have a '70s game. Ooh, that'd be a good Can idea. Can we bring back the 70s rules or no? If you could bring back the 70s defensive line, I think you know it'd be what a really gets me? <laughs> I haven't played yeah. on AstroTurf, too. Do you know what gets me about that entire thing? Is the fact that coaches now have to ask to wear suits. That's weird. Yeah. Yeah, it's Because Mike Nolan, who Let coached the 49ers, whose dad was a coach, to pay tribute to his dad, I believe when he was coaching San Francisco. Mike Nolan would wear suits. Well, Jack Del Rio Jack wanted Del Rio. to do Jack it in Jacksonville too. Yeah, and they wouldn't. He was allowed to do it like twice a year. Yeah, that's but, so weird. Why? But what does it matter? Tom Landry, man. You yeah. remember how how on the hat? On the yeah. hat you remember how how Hank Stram? Just was another in, one. yeah. And now you have to wear well. And what's really what what's the the kicker about the whole thing? And I actually like this because I dress sloppy myself. Is that Belichick can go yeah. in wearing cut off sleeves to a hoodie? He looks like he just you know fell based, out of bed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was gonna say it's homeless. You'd rather have a guy looking like that than a guy dressed up nice in a suit. That's so weird to me. But at least they don't have to wear uniforms like they do in baseball. You imagine, imagine if Zim had to wear football pants. <laughs> shoulder pads. Would coaches have to wear like shoulder pads too? Yes. Not, they have to wear the 70s like, shoulder pads and the neck roll. Like not even the, neck not roll. even the pads. Just picture him in football pants. Picture him having to wear the Vikings game day pants on the sideline. Now, in baseball, it has changed now because for, for the well, most part, they still have to wear the baseball wear the, pants, but they right, wear, but like they wear the, some sort of. They just wear a jacket now or a pullover of some sort, and well, they, they don't wear the actual jersey anymore. I don't didn't, know. didn't we make the joke, too, about like You're what right. if that was for basketball if Tom Thibodeau had to wear like <laughs> a Wolves jersey on as he's coaching? Picture Andy Reid wearing football pants today. <laughs> How big would those football pants have to be? Now, football pants to me don't look comfortable. They're, they're not, not uncomfortable. Not they're the most comfortable thing on the planet. I don't view them as uncomfortable. They don't look comfortable. I mean, part like of baseball it is, pants look pretty comfortable. Depends on how much pads yeah. you have in them. Basketball I, I mean, I, I was very them. minimal with how many pads, with like yeah. the thickness of the pads in my pants. Like, I was very, very minimal with that. Like, I, I didn't want to be well protected. 
So it was comfortable. It was just like I don't wearing about football players, man. It was just like wearing <laughs> like how how guys now wear leggings and, and tights and whatever. It was yes. just like wearing an extra set of those. Kind of. It was not uncomfortable to me. I think baseball pants look fine. Basketball shorts are that, that's the one thing. They're fantastic. Oh yeah. Basketball shorts cuz get the old, you know, Michigan Fab 5, the big ones. Mm-hmm. Those look great. Football pants are or actually the worst, the worst of of all all the sports would be a, a hockey coach had to dress up like a hockey player. Have to wear skates on the bench. <laughs> and, bree- and the breezers. And the helmets. And the, yeah, can you imagine boots? Boots out there. <laughs> hey, you got to wear the wild jersey. You got to wear the wild breezers. And put some skates on, too. But, like, could you remember the old school <laughs> Patriots? I, I don't want to say old school, but that, like the 04 Patriots, 03, 04 Patriots, Charlie Weiss and uh, Romeo <laughs> Cornell having to wear no, the football uniforms. Reed. Yeah. Andy you said, Reed, yeah. yeah. Yes. Andy Reed, I can't imagine getting the size of football. Hey, get into these. Okay, no problem. Imagine Greg Williams wearing a football uniform. Yeah, yeah, he's, oh, that Greg guy's Williams crazy would probably actually where, go out and yeah. try and play. I know. Yeah. That's why I want to imagine it. <laughs> that's your guy. <laughs> no, that's, that's New York. That was guy, your man. guy. Oh, the Jets. I love the Jets. Bigger San mess right Diego. now. Jets or Mets? The Jets and Mets. The Mets. Oh, the Mets, Mets. man. The oh, the Mets. Jets. The, the coach is trying to beat up reporters. It's the Mets. You think Gage won't be? Gage his, will just give him weird eyes. Gage eye- won't be able to look at him straight. <laughs> I think the Jets are are very much rivaling the Mets right now for I true don't. New York dysfunction. I it's don't think tablo- it's, close. it's tabloid heaven. The, the Jets. Big priced free agent signing of the offseason. They don't want made a nine one one call because he got robbed of five hundred thousand dollars worth of stuff and he was as calm as ever when he was on the call. I hear the Jets two naked are a women dumpster in bed, fire. <laughs> Could have been worse. What were they the, the, the best <laughs> is point. the best is when the operator is saying, What was the first one wearing? I don't know. She was naked. How about the other one? Same thing. <laughs> All right, Purple Daily, we are done. Judd, Danny, Manny, Jonathan Harrison producing Matthew Collar back tomorrow. We'll talk to you. Uh, Mackie and Judd with Rami up next. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays, and Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy Five or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. At the Home Depot, we have plenty of Christmas trees to make your holidays even more magical. Hundreds of full, easy-to-assemble artificial trees that look so real, you may be convinced they actually are. And for those who love that fresh pine smell, we have a parking lot full of fresh-cut trees to call your own. We'll even help you load your tree in the car so you can bring home the holidays. The Home Depot, how doers get more done.